Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Oh man, listen you guys, I am so excited to be with you today. Here we are, we are back together. The church is alive, the church is more alive than it's ever been, and God is faithful. Can we agree on that? So I don't know like what you've been dealing with, how difficult this journey has been, Um, but if you get nothing else out of this morning, I hope that you can walk away today with gratitude in your heart, that it's been 95 days since we've met. And over that 95 days, a lot has happened, hasn't it? I mean, you guys, you guys look good, by the way. You look really good. Uh, a lot has changed. Some of you, I, I haven't seen in a very long time. Some of you, I, I've seen over the course of COVID-19. But in each of your lives, God has been active. And he's been drawing you to himself. And as we've said every week, and this is really my heart, I really believe that God is waking us up through this whole journey that we're on. That God is, this is, a, this is an invitation that you and I have that our parents didn't have and our grandparents didn't, didn't have. Like this is, a, this is an invitation for you and I right now in 2020 to wake up to the presence of God. So the question is, how are you doing, right? Like are you moving forward? Do you sense that, man, God is at work and I pray that you've seen him at work today. So um, I don't know how you feel this morning. This, this is a big deal that you came in the doors today, right? Like, it's a little stressful. Some of you are like, when you're pulling in, you're like, is anybody going to be at church today? Are we the only ones? You know, you're wondering how it's going to be. We had a full first service and we have a full second service. It's awesome. I love this. Um, if you're nervous, we have stickers for you. Um, if you're uncomfortable, with hugs, you can be a fist bumper. You just put this on, you know, no problem. If you're a hugger, just, just you're like, come on, buddy, just embrace you, you know, right now. Where's Marty at? Marty's right there. Marty's going to give me a, he's going to crack my back. He does it every Sunday morning. He gives me a big old bear hug. So if you're a hugger, you can wear that sticker. Um, or if you're like me, I was going to put both on and just cover up the one that didn't pertain to the person that I'm encountering. You know, like, yeah, you're more like a fist bumper. I don't know. Maybe you're a, you're a hugger. But anyway, so whatever you want to do. But we just, we want to make you comfortable and know that we've got space for you to uh, relax and to just get some space if you need to. And let's give it up for the children in the room. You kids, we love you. We are so glad that you're with us. Parents, we love you. Thank you for uh, taking this step and, uh, and just being here today. But as I look back at this journey we've been on, here has been really my prayer is that we would see that COVID actually made us better. I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That if we could look back at the three months and maybe even years from now and go, man, that was a crazy time. Do you remember 2020 when everything just went bonkers in the world and like all of a sudden everybody was sick and like it, we're, we're dealing with this virus and people are staying home and losing their jobs and, and there's fear and there's anxiety. That we could look back and go, man, but you know what? That was a turning point in my life. That was the moment that I woke up to the presence of God. That was the moment that I took a next step in my faith and believed in Jesus, in his power to, to change me. I, I think, can we all agree that we want to do better in life? 
You know, would you, would you say you want to do better? Like, as a student, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a friend. Like, hopefully you're here today and you'd say, I want to do better in life. I want to move forward in life. So for me, I'm obsessed with making things better. That's just one of my, um, it's like, it's a, it's a flaw and it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing as well. But um, I'm just always tinkering with things. I love things. Uh, anybody here like mechanic-y type of people? I'm a mechanic. Anybody work on cars? A few of you in the room. So for me, if, there, if there's an engine with 350 horsepower, it needs to have 400 horsepower, right? If there's an engine with 400 horsepower, I want it to have 500 horsepower, right? That's just how I work. I want to tinker on things and make them better. If you're here today and you have a, you have a good marriage, like my marriage is good, I hope that you're saying, but I want to make it better. If you're here today and like, man, you've got some great friendships or great relationships, you're doing well in school, you're doing well in college, I hope you're like, man, I'm doing good, but I want to do better, Right? And so here's the question that I, I believe that maybe is maybe the most important question that we ask every day of our lives. Is there a way to be better tomorrow than we were today? Like, is it possible to move forward and be, some of you are like, I, I sure hope so, because today was terrible already, right? Like, I've blown it, I've messed up in a lot of different ways. So for you, you're like, there has to be a, ba- a way for tomorrow to be better than today. For others of you, you're like, man, I'm actually kind of killing it at life. I'm doing really well. I'm a rock star follower of Jesus, right? Uh, I'm doing well at my job. Uh, my friends love me. You're like, how can tomorrow be any better? But I assure you, no matter where you're at, that there is a way for tomorrow to be better than today. And I actually think this is part of our step-by-step journey with Jesus, is that we would take next steps to have a better tomorrow than we do today. And so what I want to start off with here as we move back into a new normal for us as a church is that we would take a quick assessment. Would you be willing to do this? I want you to take a quick personal assessment with me. And I want you to ask, what word would best describe your faith during COVID? What word, just think within yourself, would best describe your faith during COVID? Was it active or was it dormant? Was your faith active or dormant? Which one of those words would you use to describe your faith? Was your faith visible or was it hidden during COVID? Could people see your faith? Could you see your faith? Was it real during COVID? Was your faith sacrificial or was it selfish? You look at your faith, you look at your journey with Jesus. If you're, if, if you're here and you're like, I'm not actually a follower of Jesus, then it's okay. If you're like, my faith was non-existent, then that makes sense. But if you're here and you're like, I'm a, I'm a Christian, like, if somebody asked me, do you believe in, in anything? I would say, I believe in Jesus. And if somebody asked me, like, if you died today, why would you go to heaven? You'd say, well, Jesus. Jesus is why I would be in eternity with, with God. If that's you, then what word would describe your faith during COVID? Well, here's, here's a deeper question. Let's say somebody met you for the first time over the past three months. Over the past 95 days that we have not gathered in this room together. If somebody met you for the first time over the past 95 days, what evidence would they have that you follow Jesus? So if that question doesn't make you uncomfortable, I want to say it makes me uncomfortable. And I just want you to let that discomfort sit with you for a minute. Because we removed the church part of this whole equation, right? We removed the the gathering part of this equation, which is it's, it's an opportunity, because then we have to look and go, if, if, if when we remove the church, there's nothing left of my faith, 
then my faith wasn't in Jesus. It was in church attendance, right? I'm getting in your business. I'm sorry. It's your first week back. You're like, Brian, hold up, bro. Like, I just showed up here. I don't even know if I'm ready to take my mask off. I, I, I understand. I understand. But listen, we have to leverage this moment to let God make us better. And what I mean by better is that we would know and love him more every single day. We have to use this opportunity. It would be a tragedy if you moved through COVID-19 and you were the same that you were three months ago. It would be a tragedy if my marriage was the same, if my relationships were the same, if my relationship with God was the same after three months of all of what's gone on. It would be a tragedy if I went back to what was instead of forward into what God is calling me into. So whatever the last three months had for you, if you're like, okay, Brian, guilty, dormant, hidden, selfish, that was my faith. Good news. Good news. You can start from right here, right now. Jesus has something better for you. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's a good promise, isn't it? Do you want abundant life? Anybody want, like, do you want abundant life? Well, you're like, I don't really use that terminology in my daily life, you know? I mean, some of you are like, I don't say, can we have abundant life today, honey? Like, that's not typical language. Here's the language we tend to use. The good life. That's the language I use, right? Like, I want to live the good life. Maybe you want to live the good life. I had my feet up on a lake floating around in a little fishing boat yesterday, and I, I was like, this is the good life, right? Some of you, when you're sitting in the sun in Alaska, this is the good life. You know, when you're out hiking, this is the good life. Jesus wants to flip upside down what the world says the good life actually is. He wants to show us what the good life actually is in his kingdom. And it's completely different than what it is in the world today. So if you have a Bible or a phone, whatever you got, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Download the ACF Church app and all the text will be there as well for you to follow along. But We are in the Beatitudes or the blessings of Jesus. And Jesus is redefining what it means to be blessed. It's different than what Instagram tells you. It's different than what the internet says. It's different than even what your friends sometimes say. Oh, you you have the perfect kids. You must be blessed, right? Like, is that really all it means to be blessed? Or is there something more to it? Here's what he says in verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So this is where we're going to hang out for just a minute here, is on what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness and then be satisfied. So Jesus says, these people, they're blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessing, we define as the approval and goodwill of God, which is awesome. Like, I mean, there is no more blessed life. The approval and goodwill of God. But that approval and goodwill, what it leads to is, is happiness. And I don't know anybody right now that doesn't want a little bit more happiness in their life, right? I don't know anybody that isn't like, I wish I could wake up in the morning and feel a little bit more deep-seated joy and happiness in my life. Jesus says, you know who's, who's really happy? Who's really blessed? Who has the approval and the goodwill of God? He says first that it's those who hunger and thirst. Okay? Those who hunger 
and thirst. Now imagine Jesus is on this mountainside. He's preaching a sermon to, to, to many, many people. And it's in a society where there were, there were two really classes of people. There were the, the rich of the rich and the poor of the poor, right? There wasn't much of a middle class like, like there is here where we live in the U.S. today. And so for most of these people, when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, they're going like, are you kidding me? Because I've been hungering and thirsting for weeks, right? In fact, Jesus, um, you seem to do some really cool stuff. Could you whip us up maybe a little bread, maybe a little wine? Like, can, can we have a party here? How about some food, Jesus? And he's like, hey, blessed are you who hunger and thirst. And for them, that would have had a negative connotation, right? Like a negative feeling. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus talks about hungering and thirsting in different ways. He actually says this in John 6, 35. He says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So obvious question, which one is it, Jesus, right? So blessed are those who hunger and thirst, but whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus is confused, right? Actually, we're confused. What's going on here is Jesus is talking about two different things. He's talking about the difference between going hungry and being hungry. Do you guys know there's a difference? I have never gone hungry. I've never had to, you know, miss a meal unless I was fasting or, you know, in the mountains and just didn't have any food with me. I have never gone hungry. Some of you maybe have. But, but, but going hungry is, I mean, that's a, that's a terrible thing. Nobody wants to go hungry. That's an unhealthy thing, you know, to have happen in your life. But then there's, there's being hungry. Well, that's, that can be good, right? Like, I mean, for me, I've been hungry for a bunch of different things. I'm like waiting on Glacier Brewhouse to reopen. I want to go down to Girdwood and get me a double musky steak, right? Like, I want to I eat really well. And so I have, I have been hungry. So going hungry is about a lack of supply. But being hungry is about a desire for something more. Do you get the difference? So Jesus says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, you will never go hungry with Jesus. He satisfies you. And so then Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, because when you follow Jesus, there's a moment where you taste the goodness of who God is, and you just say, I want more. And you will spend the rest of your life getting more of him into your heart. Like it's, it's a lifelong journey that you never arrive at like, I think I filled up completely on Jesus. I think I got all that I need, you know. I am, I'm kind of maxed out on my Jesus right now. Like I think I'm pretty good. You never reach that point in life. So what does it look like to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like what does this actually look like in our lives? Well, I was... Uh, given the opportunity to go on a boat out in Whittier a few weeks ago. And we were uh, floating around and we decided to get off the boat. And I was walking through the woods and I stumbled upon this, this little uh, spring of water in the ground. It's the coolest thing. Uh, people ask me like, what's Alaska like? And I always tell them it's like an Arctic rainforest. Because it's, man, it's crazy in the winter. It's just dark and everything's barren. And then all of a sudden, boom, Right green and plush and like you're using a machete to get through the woods right and I stumble upon this spring in the woods and if you're a hunter or a a hiker or a backpacker you know that when you find a water source in the woods there are trails everywhere right I mean there's been no humans walking around here maybe ever 
I don't even know if another human being has seen this spot, but the animals have found it, right? And it all started with one lone little animal, whatever it was, that, that walked over there and was like, oh, fresh water, that found it in the woods. And that, oh, that animal left and then, you know, was, was walking around. And then later that day was like, I want to go back to the water. And then as it went back to the water, the grass got kind of knocked down a little bit. And then it left and then it came back again. And then the grass got beat down even more. And then over time, that animal and other animals have beaten down what's like a, like a super highway of trails to this clear water. Now, I've seen this in my life where um, it starts off really difficult, doesn't it? Like if you're a new believer in Jesus and you're beginning your journey, like it's hard. Can we admit it's hard to follow Jesus? Can we admit that the things that we're called to are really difficult? If you don't think they're difficult, you're not actually reading your Bible, okay? The things Jesus calls us to are really, really stinking hard. And so it starts off really difficult to find your way to that fresh, clean water, right? I mean, do you remember the first time that you went and you served someone in need. Remember that? That was difficult, wasn't it? You're like, well, I'm in need. You know, like, I mean, I could be doing things right now. What about cleaning my garage right now? You know, what about taking care of my homework right now? What about doing my stuff right now? But I'm called by God to serve someone in need. And it's like, it's like bushwhacking to make a trail to the clean water, right? It's hard work. It's difficult. You end up all spined up and scratched up, but you're like, I did it. I don't know if I'm going to do it again, but I did it once, right? You remember the first time that you encouraged an enemy? And it was just hard. And you were like, man, this is really difficult. Like, they say things about me at work that uh, make me look bad. And um, they don't like me. They clearly don't like me. But I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to say something nice to them. And everything in me says, don't do it. My friends are saying, don't do it. But I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to be an encourager. I'm going to do what Jesus does to me, right? Right? When we were enemies of God, he died for us. So I'm going to encourage some people. Um, Remember the first time you forgave something unthinkable? And you thought, I don't know if I can ever let this go. I kind of want to drag this around behind me for the rest of my days. And you just, at one point, you hit the end of yourself, and you're like, I'm the one in chains here. I'm the one that's carrying around this weight here. I don't want this in my life anymore. And you just said, I'm going to let it go. By the grace of God poured out on me, I'm going to give that same grace to someone else, and I'm going to let it go. Do you remember the first time that you gave sacrificially? You know? Do you remember that? Remember the first time putting a check in the offering plate and seeing the plate go down and going, ha, ah, come back, you know? Maybe, maybe for you, you're, you're, a, you're a digital giver, right? The first time you, you hit submit, you know, or give, the give button, maybe you need to install like an ungive button. You're like, do they make an ungive button anywhere on here? Because I'm freaking out right now, you know? Like, it's scary the first time that you give sacrificially and you think, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go for this. And then you watch God provide and you're like, wow, I'm in the middle of a miracle. It's so cool, right? When we do the things God calls us, you remember the first time you uh, showed mercy? When that person in your life, they deserved your wrath. They deserved just you to pour out hatred on them for what they did or what they said. And you said, I'm going to, I'm going to show mercy to them. And it was like beating down a path that was so overgrown and so hard to see and hard to find that, man, it was really difficult. But then do you remember the second time? Do you remember the third time? You remember like over the course of your life, you started going back to this well of clean water. These are things, this is, 
This is uh, fruit of God's spirit in your life, right? And, and over the time, as you went back and back and back and more, it became this beat down superhighway to the things of God. So he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not for anything, but for righteousness. So righteousness is a, it's, a, it's kind of a churchy word if you're not a church person, but um, it's used five times in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's something the scriptures say righteousness is a good thing, okay? So uh, righteousness gets sort of like a bad rap, that term, because I think when we hear righteousness, we think self-righteousness. Or we hear righteousness, we think religion. Like, like blessed are the religious. Jesus kind of never says that, Right? But those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is simply like right thinking, feeling, and acting. That's all it is. Right thinking, feeling, and acting. Or I could say, it's the pursuit of the very best that God has for your life. That's what, that's what somebody is doing when they're hungering, thirst for, thirsting for righteousness, is that I'm not settling for second best in my life. I want the very best that God has for my life. And when you get the best that God has for you, when you take hold of it and you walk faithfully in it, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happier. There's going to be more joy in your life. You'll be at peace with God and at peace within yourself. We need some of that, don't we? Righteousness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Here's the problem. James says, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He says the problem is we're double-minded. We're double-minded. We actually, we say we want this flipped upside down kingdom of God, but when you look at my life, it appears that I want this world more than I want his kingdom. And so we get caught in the middle going, which world do we live for? Jesus says you have to pick one, you cannot pick both. There's no way of living in his kingdom and in the kingdom of this world, right? There's no way to do it. You choose which world you live in. And if you're in the middle, you're not in the kingdom of God, right? So he's saying like, hey, righteousness is the pursuit of the very best God has for your life. This is what it means to be in God's kingdom, to choose his, his kingdom. The problem is we're double-minded. We're, we're between two worlds. We, we seek to be filled up by other things, right? Because we don't only have beaten down superhighways to, to fresh water in our lives. We also have beaten down superhighways to swamps, right? To just nasty water in our lives. I say it like this, we all have well-beaten-down pathways to springs of destruction in our lives, don't we? And some of you, um, over the past 95 days, have walked deeper into some of those things, right? Can we, can we be honest in church? Man, I'm being hard on you your first week back, I know. But can we be honest in church and say, okay, over the course of some of the struggle and the turmoil, maybe I've given myself a little freedom to walk towards these things that are not wells of life to me, to walk into these things that are not giving life to my friends or to my family or to my marriage, you know, that, that we have, have these well-beaten down trails, which it's not easy then to move on to the trails that lead to righteousness, right? Because you've been spending all your time walking into this well, and it's easy to get there. And so there's a journey that you go on by God's grace to walk and choose the things of righteousness. Jesus says, those are those who are blessed, right? And I'll tell you this, the world is capitalizing on this. Um, there is somebody out there that's capitalizing on our roads that lead to destruction. Um, they will find ways to get you to walk down those roads that lead to destruction, and they will earn a paycheck every time you do it. 
and, and seek to keep you coming back to those things that lead to destroying your life. He says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for not destruction, but for righteousness in their lives. Um, interesting, he doesn't say those who dabble in righteousness. Blessed are those who dabble in righteousness. So for you, back to our first assessment, um, as we talk about our faith and we say, well, where was my faith during COVID? If it didn't exist and your really only next step is to add church to your weekly routine, then you are dabbling in righteousness. Okay? So being real here, right? If we just add, add church to our journey, but we don't actually pursue Jesus with our whole heart and trust in his grace, then we're just adding, adding religion into our lives. We're not actually trusting in the, in the finished work of Jesus. So my heart for you here today and our heart for ACF Church as we uh, mobilize ourselves in some fresh and new ways in this next season is that we wouldn't just add church. We would go and be the church. And you guys, don't feed into this lie. Don't go back to what was. If that was you, if that was your journey, you're like, yeah, um, the only evidence of my faith really is that, that I was here today. God has something better for you. That is not the good life. The good life that you want is when you just fully surrender and you say, Jesus, I want what you say is best for me even when I don't feel like it's best. Even when it doesn't seem like what's right. Jesus himself, he was tempted, like you're tempted, like I'm tempted, because he uh, was fully God and, and fully man. And there's this moment in his life where he's getting ready to begin his ministry, and um, he kind of puts himself on like a ministry boot camp. He goes off into the wilderness. He's praying. He's alone with the Father. He's, he's fasting. And his body's pretty weak in this moment. He's pretty hungry, right? We pick it up in Matthew chapter 4. It says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, so we're already starting off with questioning his identity, right? If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, and when he answers, he, Jesus, he quotes Deuteronomy because Jesus knows the word and uses the word to combat the enemy. He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, bread does not sustain me. My father sustains me. And so Jesus in this moment, you might think like, wait a minute, he's hungry. What's, a, what's the big deal? Like if I could turn breads into, or stones into bread, wouldn't I just do it? I mean, what's the big deal? Well, the temptation in this moment was that Jesus would, instead of trusting his father to meet his needs, he would take the role of his father and try to meet his own needs. That was the temptation. And it's interesting that the devil comes at him when he's hungry. I mean, when you are at your weakest and you're, you're most thirsty for satisfaction, that's when the temptations come the strongest to walk back into the wells of self-destruction, right? For Jesus, he said, no, I'm not going to buy the lie. I know what satisfies me. My father is enough for me. Here's what Jesus is saying, is that seeking satisfaction apart from God is a lost cause. If you're here today and you're like, man, I uh, haven't taken my faith real seriously um, at all, honestly. But I keep trying stuff out. The question I have for you is, how's that working out for you? Are you satisfied? Are you, are you good, you know? Or does every time you, you feel satisfied, does it just kind of wear off after a few days and you have to go back to look for more? 
seeking satisfaction apart from God. It's a lost cause. It's a waste of time. It's never going to pan out. So here's where this begins. This begins by admitting that we are not perfect, admitting that we need help, and admitting that we need God's grace to heal our broken minds and broken hearts. Uh, you know, even the things that we read in Scripture, like this is how the mind works. Like the neural pathways of your mind get beaten down toward things that destroy us. And so it's a journey of recovery for us to retrain our minds and our hearts to go after the things, the better things for us. And it's a journey that we all have to go on when we start off by just admitting that we are not perfect, that we are not perfect little church people here at ACF Church, right? If, if you are, then you don't have to come back next week. You're good, right? But for the rest of us, we are not perfect. We need some help. And we need Jesus' grace in this. And Jesus promises this, that we can be satisfied. So we first admit that we need help, and then we go, okay, what do we want then? We want satisfaction. We want to lay down at, on, our, on our pillows at night and just feel satisfied. Imagine a world full of people who are satisfied. Like, just think for a second, what would that look like? What would that look like in traffic on the Glen, Right? Right now, it's like, my, my, get out of the way, man. I got to go home. Right? It'd be like, no, you first. No, 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 you first. No, you first. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm in the, I can hang out here. I'm satisfied. What would it look like at your work if people were just satisfied? You know? Oh, you got the promotion, bro. Oh, I know that was meant for me, but uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you got it. No, it's, it's great, you know? What would it look like in your relationships if you started off satisfied and you didn't ask somebody else to satisfy you? What would that actually look like? There's a, there's a woman that Jesus encounters and she has this actual problem. She's going from man to man to man to man looking for satisfaction. She feels it for a minute. She feels what she feels like is, is happiness for a moment. And then it wears off and she goes on to the next man. She goes on to the next man. And so this woman has been around the block a few times. And Jesus knows her story. He sees her story. And he encounters this woman at a well, interestingly enough. She's looking just to fill her belly with some water. This is what it says in John 4. that Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's a cool moment. Jesus sees that this woman is so desperate to feel satisfied. And she sees this road of destruction in her past. As she's walked into these unhealthy things, trying to be satisfied, Jesus sees her physical need, and because he's an incredible teacher... He takes this very practical moment where she's just looking for a little water and he goes, you know what? You're just looking to be satisfied. I mean, you want to be blessed, don't you? And I imagine she'd be like, I, I do want to be blessed, you know? How do I get blessed? Jesus says, those who come to me and take the water that I give them will never thirst again. And it actually, like, you don't just get water, you get a well. How cool is that? It's this like this well that springs up within your own heart and your own life. And it's this well that's always pumping. That's what's cool about a well. It's just always, there's always water pumping in there. And so when you wake up in the morning, well, all night long, this well of life has been pumping into your heart, right? And all day long, when you're dealing with difficult things and, and difficult challenges throughout your day, this well of life is, is just feeding you life 
throughout the day. When you go to bed at night, the well keeps pumping, right? I mean, this is, this is the thing about this woman. She kept coming back and coming back and coming back, trying to quench her thirst. Jesus is like, you're never going to have your thirst quenched. Here's our problem. We all want the water, but what we need is the well. And what's the well? Church answer. Jesus, right? Yeah, church answer. Jesus is the well. Jesus is what we need. Jesus is what actually fills us up and satisfies our heart. And what you'll find is those pathways to destruction, they'll start to grow up with some weeds. It's going to get like harder to find them sometimes. You might want to go back once in a while, but it's like, man, it's like a little difficult to to find that pathway anymore. And, And you might even mess up and you might go back down that pathway again and you're frustrated. But as you're there, you're like, man, I haven't been here in a while. It's kind of overgrown, and clearly it's just, it's just mud, right? This isn't, this isn't sustaining me. But over there, there's, there's these pathways to, to life, to righteousness, and they're pretty well beat down now. And now that I've worked hard on these things, those are the things that I actually want so I can go after those, those things. Because what I need is not the water. What I need is the well. What I need is Jesus. And so where do you want to be more satisfied? Just think in your own life for a moment. How about spiritually? Would you like to be more spiritually satisfied? Like, would you like to know that you know God? I mean, I just wonder, even in this room, if I sat down with you across the table from you with a cup of coffee, and I was like, tell me why you believe that you know God. I mean, would you have an answer for that? Like a a good answer? Or maybe this, tell me why you believe God knows you. Would you have a good answer for that? You can. You can have a great answer for that. Would you like to be spiritually satisfied, financially satisfied? Would you like that? I mean, that's a bit, notice I didn't say financial abundance, you know? I, I, you know, I didn't say like, you know, you got, you, got the, you got the rims, you got the four-wheeler, you got whatever, like just financial satisfaction. It would change the way that you make decisions, wouldn't it? You know people who have less than you, yet for some reason they're more satisfied than you, don't you? I know I do. Like, man, how are they so satisfied? But they are. You can have that. Do you want to be more relationally satisfied? Maybe you find yourself in the place of this woman, and you're like, man, I, I go from relationship to relationship. Every time I convince myself that, you know, it's not going to fall apart, this one's going to be different, and they're always the same. Friend, you're going after the water, but what you need is the well. What you need is Jesus. You can be relationally satisfied. How about physically satisfied? Team with yourself. And some of you deal with shame about how you look. I know for me, it's been COVID, right? I've been eating Doritos and ice cream every night. So my wife and I, we're working on it, right? She's trying to, she's laughing in the back. We're, we're, we're dieting now. We're trying to eat a little bit better. But what if you could be satisfied? Because we, we can't all be or look the way that we want to. If you hate what you see in the mirror, what if you could be satisfied? You can be. Vocationally satisfied. What would it look like to be happy with what you're doing? It's not always about the next job, the next thing, next promotion, like bam, 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 going after, like what if you could actually pursue good things but be satisfied where you are? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? What if you could love your job? You're like, well, I need a new job. What if it's not about the job? What if it's about you? Jesus promises you these things. If you lived this life, if you were satisfied spiritually, financially, relationally, physically, vocationally, what's a great word to describe you? blessed. 
And that's somebody who's blessed. And that's different than the kingdoms of this world. See, this, this woman was at the end, of the end of her rope. She was fully dissatisfied. She was at the point where she was like, nothing fills me up. And the purpose of this whole sermon about the upside-down kingdom of God is this, that we'll never understand that Jesus is enough until we admit that we aren't. Until you come to the end of yourself, the end of your ability to pursue things, to go after things, to acquire things, to get things, until you understand that you are not enough. You will never completely embrace that Jesus is. That he can fulfill you and sustain you, and maybe you need to get lower. Maybe for you, COVID wasn't enough. You've skimmed across the service, and you're just like, I'm just cruising, man. I don't know what people are freaking out about. I'm doing well. For other people, this was plenty. Like, they are at rock bottom. It's like, I need something that sustains and satisfies my soul. This, this man, David, in the Bible, um, he has a history, too. Chasing after, looking for love in all the wrong places, if you know the story of David. And uh, he gets to this point in his life where he realizes that um, the God is what sustains and satisfies. He says this in, in Psalm 63. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's cool, right? So you can actually know God and you can never go hungry and you can be like David and you can always be hungry. Jesus says, blessed are those who are always a little bit hungry, you know, or a lot hungry. Blessed are those who come to church on a Sunday morning and go, man, this was just a taste of what I think God wants for me. I mean, this is just the beginning of what God has for me. Those are the blessed people who know that this is never enough. That God always has something more that he is offering you into your life. If you're here today and you find yourself burned out on religion, here's the deal. You have settled for the water, but what you need is the well. If you're here today and you find yourself with lots of friends, but feeling really lonely, what you've probably done is is gone after the water, but what you need is the well. Here's one. Um, if you're here today and you're, you're just fired up about the injustice that's going on in the world, but you lack an inner peace in your life, then you've probably settled for the water, but what you need is the well. And there's a way to have both of those things. And here's the last thing I want to say to you is that we cannot do this outside of community. Can I just say, I needed to worship with you guys today. Like, I needed this. I needed to be with you. I needed to see your faces. I've missed you. And I hope as you look around, there's somebody here that you're like, man, they inspire me, right? Look at them. Like somebody lifts their hand during worship and you're just like, how do they do that? I know their story. I know what they've been through. And and something about them going after God's best makes you want to go after God's best for you. I mean, we cannot do this outside of the family of God. The temptation over the past three months would be to begin thinking that we can be sustained by simply watching a service online. And I love being able to watch online, and I love our online community. But can we admit, it's not enough. Can we admit that can't be the end of our faith? If that's the end of our faith, we've settled for the water, but what we need is the well. We need Jesus in our lives. So two things I want to say to you. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you, the first thing, to ask God for the strength to walk into a church gathering. 
So I know there's all kinds of scenarios. Uh, maybe you are a high-risk person. Maybe for your job, you can't come into this room and uh, understand all of those scenarios. But if you're simply just like, I don't know, at some point, we're going to have to go back or go forward into life, you know? At some point, we're going to need the courage of God to, to step forward in life. And so if you're watching online, I want to encourage you, come join us. These people are really fun, right? Aren't you guys fun? Yeah, they're really fun. They want to see you here. So yeah, absolutely. Let's give them a hand. I love that. Second thing for you who are in the room, I want you to ask God for the strength to come back. That this would be a new rhythm in your life. Uh, If this is a place that you can kind of like kick off your week and see some people be challenged towards righteousness, well, guess what? This, this place and going to church is a sort of, if it's a well, it's pretty, it's pretty like overgrown at this point, right? Like we're not in a routine of, of showing up. And so I just would ask you to ask God for the strength and the courage to continue to value the family of God. To know this, that like we need you here. We need to see you here. I'm encouraged by you. When you're not here, we're missing something. I want you to know that. And so I just want you to consider both of these things to step forward. And if you're here today and you're like, Brian, I have never truly admitted that that I'm not enough and fallen into the arms of Jesus, then I want to give you a chance just to receive him into your life today. Would you stand up? And let's just bow our heads. We're going to pray together and we're going to close out in worship. And if that's you here today, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I realize I am imperfect And God, apart from you, I am unrighteous. And that without your help, I do not thirst after a well of righteousness. I I go to a well of destruction. And I acknowledge my need for saving and my need for you to be my savior. And God, I thank you that you don't force me to follow you, but you give me a choice. And so today, God, I choose you as my savior and sustainer. God, I choose you as the Lord and the leader of my life, and I humbly ask you to be my well. God, that you would be what gives me the desire to get out of bed in the morning, what gives me the desire to do things that are healthy for me and healthy for others. God, I know that apart from your grace, I can do nothing good. God, I need you to just pour out your grace on me today, and so I receive that. I receive the power of your cross. God, that you died for all of my mistakes. God, you died for the last 95 days and the parts of it that did not look like someone who follows you. So God, I receive your grace fully today. I stand before you holy and clean and righteous. So God, I I will never hunger and thirst again, and yet God, I'm so thirsty for more. I just want more of you in my life, and I receive you today. Father, we need you in our church. We need you um, in this community. We are nothing without you. We're simply a bunch of people standing around, God, but we need a mission and we need you to be the core of everything we believe in, everything we go after. So Father, we love you. We thank you that you're here in our presence. And God, we look forward to the best days that are to come. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.